You are live with Get Connected, Canada's number one tech radio show. I'm Mike Agarbo. We've got John Beeler here today as well, my good friend and co-host, and we have an awesome program. Later on, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence and why actors are worried about the future. Not just... uh, actors for TV and and film, but voice actors uh, as well. The technology, John, is just becoming amazing in being able to replicate people's voices. How do you know I'm not AI? Well, (laughs) that's how I'm saving money now. You're actually, (laughs) we're running you off an Atari. (laughs) No, but you know, we saw, remember the Anthony Bourdain documentary, Roadrunner? Yeah. Uh, There was a few lines in there where the director actually faked his voice. Worked with an AI company, gave them samples of his voice, and got the computer to basically say the lines to sound like him. Yeah, it's getting easier and easier with technology now for anybody to do this, not just uh, your ILMs and, and huge film production companies. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about uh, what they're trying to do. We will also be chatting about Twitter, just kind of all the different aspects of it, John. It, it's hard to keep up with, with what's going on. I know. Because every 10 minutes, something new happens. I know. I, I, I got to be honest, I'm still surprised it all went down. Yeah. Or it's going down. Yeah. With Elon Musk buying Twitter. But, you know, it could still change. It, it might even have changed by the time you listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens when a smart home tech company shuts down? We're all getting into the smart home tech, you know, the robot vacuums, smart lights. But most of them are connected in some way to the cloud. What happens if that company goes out of business? It's a sunny day because there's no more cloud. The cloud, <laughs> the clouds are gone. Let's get into some of the tech news, uh, John. Uh, this was kind of interesting. Tesla, speaking of Elon Musk, uh, they've been talking about this for a while, but uh, down in Colorado, Oregon, and Virginia, Tesla can now insure your Tesla EV. I find that really interesting. Why? Well, so you buy a vehicle from a company yes. who then insures that vehicle. Yes. So the thing is, the way insurance works is that they can deny your claim if they don't like the circumstances of the claim. Yeah. I don't know if a car company has the same level of oversight as an independent insurance company would. It's an interesting question, John. They're already offering it in, in California, but I think the whole uh, thing behind it that Elon is trying to implement is the real-time driving data what he says is the better you drive the better your rates will be right and he says that it because you they're getting it in real time they'll be able to tell the driver also in real time how well they're driving and how that's affecting their insurance rates so if you're burning around town there'll be a new little little ticker on your on your tesla screen saying <laughs> dollar signs <laughs> slow down or you're gonna have to pay more yeah you ran that stop sign that's another five bucks a month right but no he, he's but not he's not wrong isn't that scary though that he has that much information yeah yeah but he already has that we know that well no but but that it's so directly tied to how much you pay for your services that traditionally aren't directly linked to the company that you bought your vehicle from. Yeah. It, it's weird. Like I, I think for myself, would I want that? On one hand, I'm like, I'd love to save money. But on the other hand, I don't think I'm always driving the best I could. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Lead foot agarbo? Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
but the other thing i guess on the other side of that spectrum though is uh if the insurance company that insured your electric vehicle is responsible for making sure that your electric vehicle gets repaired properly yeah in theory you would hope there would be a better or higher quality of service there yeah because you're not going through some other company that may not understand the nuances that are different between uh, an internal combustion engine and an electric vehicle uh, and the, how those costs are, are vastly different yeah. for, from a repair standpoint. Exactly. Would you buy, if Kia, you've got a Kia Soul, would you buy insurance from them? I would. If it was cheaper? But they're tracking uh, your every move? <laughs> well, if that was the only thing that was different, yeah, maybe. But yeah. again, I, I'd always be concerned about having too many eggs in one basket yeah yeah well uh no no signs of this coming to canada anytime soon and you know what i also read that uh, warren buffett he he doesn't see it as a threat <laughs> to insurance companies he because probably, he probably owns a lot of them yeah it's like he says well it's why insurance companies don't make cars yeah they make they do insurance and that's what they're good at yeah Anyway, we'll have to see. Hawaiian Airlines will be the first major air carrier to offer Starlink internet. Uh, passengers will get the satellite uh, broadband internet for free. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering how that well that's going to work. Well, because the, the normal way that you get internet on the plane is through ground station relaying. Mm-hmm. This is f- coming from space. Yes. So in theory... Even over the ocean, yeah, you'd get it in places where you where you can't get tr- traditional airline based internet access. Yeah, uh, and the price is certainly right. I wonder how good it's going to be. Like, is it just one receiver and Starlink for the whole plane? Yeah, you know what I mean. There could be hundreds of people on the plane. Yeah, like even if there's like more than five people on the plane and they're all using one. Well, just think of all the kids on the plane that are going to be streaming YouTube. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, that's it's not going to happen, right? Well, not with not with one terminal at least. No, but maybe they have multiples. Yeah, I, I wonder how well that works. Like, or it's throttled per. Don't connection. you have to aim these the the receiver in a certain direction towards the satellite constellation, or is it they're just right up there, so it doesn't matter? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is they don't have a lot of the atmospheric in, uh, um, interference potentially? Yeah, uh, that you would on the ground. Well, I know there's other satellite internet service providers that some airlines are using. So I'm just, yeah. it'd be interesting to see how it compares. Is it just a marketing thing, do you think, from Starlink? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Just, you know, how robust is it, I guess, is the uh, the question I would have. Well, once you have it, more than two people using it at the same time. If Hawaiian Airlines wants to send us to Hawaii, we will definitely test it out yeah. and report back. If, if anyone from Hawaiian Airlines is listening right now. <laughs> so electric cars, more and more hitting the streets. The next one? an all-electric Corvette. And a hybrid could be available as soon as 2023. Yeah. I think having more um, recognizable vehicles are going to help the adoption of EVs. Yeah. Because people, they, they, when they, a lot of people, when they think of an EV, they think of an underpowered, underperforming go-kart or or a golf cart, maybe. Yeah. Um, Whereas, if you have a Corvette as an electric vehicle, it kind of implies there's going to be something under the hood that's maybe a little, a little bit more than that golf cart. Yeah. But we'll have to see. Although I do love even my Kia in sport mode is amazing. I know. Yeah. You get a real punch when you hit that. Yeah. The pedal. 
so to speak. Um, but I wonder if they'll be able to keep the same kind of spirit of the Corvette. Because, you, you know, Ford made their Mach-E Mustang. Yeah. But is it, it doesn't really look Mustang-y, does it? Not really, no. No. no I think they just thought, oh, we better get a name attached to this thing. Yeah. Well, Instead of calling it like the electric fever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in car marketing, by the way. No, you're not. N- nor, nor will I ever be. But it, they're all going that way, John. Like my, my next thing is I want to get an electric truck. Yes. But I, the big concern I have, I got, a, just, you know, I got a big trailer now. I got this big 35 foot RV trailer. Yeah. And when it's full, it's 10,000 pounds. And so all the ones I've read about so far tow that's their capacity, 10,000 pounds. So, so it's not going to work because you, you don't want it to be right at the, the max. No, because, yeah, and you know that's that's just for the the trailer. That's not yeah. all your contents and crap in it too, right? Yeah. Um, but what about the Cybertruck? Is that its max? No, I think it has more. Yeah. But so my question then is how far can you tow? Like what, what does it do to your mileage, you right? You can tow it across the street. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I've been watching a few videos on YouTube, like, you know, comparing um, – a truck versus a Rivian yeah. towing something. It didn't sound like great range. <laughs> no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't want to be charged. Like if you're going on vacation or you're towing something, you don't want to be charging that thing, you know, five times on your way to wherever you're going. Right. Cause that basically it takes, it takes, takes the joy out 10 of 10 times longer to get there yeah. than just driving a regular vehicle would. And there's a huge issue right now with the charging stations, John, because they're all typically in these uh, shopping malls uh, or strip malls. You're not dragging a trailer through there, right? No. And you would typically have to unhook the trailer to actually get into one of those spots. I have not come across any pull-through ones yet. No, nor, nor have I. No. And I've gone all up and down the I-5. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all goes down. We're going to have to take a break when we come back. we still got a lot more tech to talk, including smart home tech. What happens... If that company goes out of business and you've got some of their smart lights or smart vacuums, what happens to that? Well, we're going to tell you back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. we got uh, Gray in with us today as well. Thanks for coming in the studio. Always glad to be here. We're going to talk smart home tech, guys. You've got a lot of in your house, John. I think we all do. Yeah. Gray, you're you're tricked out. I've got too much stuff in my, my home. Um, my family hates me a little bit, right? Because does it always work perfectly? No. 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 Well, it works for us. Yes. It doesn't work for everybody else in the house. <laughs> I feel no. like some people have technical bad juju, though, right? They, they touch something and it just stops working. You're like, how did you, what, it was just, it was fine. But I also find the, the reverse of that. I find that I have been told I have the magical juju where yeah. I can make something work that they, I didn't do anything. I just was in the vicinity of the product. Stan Bush wrote a song about you. You've got the touch. You've got the power. <laughs> you know, it's funny because my wife uh, comes to me the other day on her iPhone. She's getting a message uh, when she's connecting to Wi-Fi. I've never seen this message that uh, the data is not being encrypted. There are other devices in your home that could be Ooh. looking at your data. And I'm like, well, I think we're okay. Because <laughs> I know if I start monkeying with things. But anyway... She hates that stuff because she always thinks that people are trying to get her data. Yes. Yeah. Well, they are. Well, they are. Right. <laughs> She's not wrong. Do we need to get her a VPN? No. So I'm like, okay. So I looked at I looked it up on Google, and it said, well, you know, you should upgrade to uh, your router to WP, WPA3. Yeah. Which is a, like a security protocol. 
I know about WPA two. I didn't know three was out. But it's the sequel. It's the sequel. <laughs> anyway, I'm just like, oh, you know, I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to turn this thing on. Anyway, so I turned it on on my router, rebooted the router, and lo and behold, f- her phone works like a charm. Yeah. That's, why that's, her phone and not your phone, though? No, no, my phone was still working. No, no, but like... No, yeah, why? Why Why didn't you get the I don't message? know. I, I looked on my iPhone. I looked on my daughter's, no problem. But anyway, so I, I switched it over this, to this other security protocol. Nothing in the house, else in the house would work now. Because all the old things had the old radio security. Yeah, and so I'm just like, oh, geez. Like, the vacuum wouldn't work. The, thermo, the thermostat wouldn't work. And I'm just... And the t, you know, the TVs are all smart yep. TVs connected anyway. So you want the, the worst res- resolution for that. You run a separate wireless network for, for all of your smart home stuff. Or just for Alana. Or just for your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alana. I tried. I know it's really nerdy. But anyway, so I went and like, I just thought, oh God, this is going to be my night. But then I went back into the settings on the router and there was a setting that would actually do both the new. Compatibility mode. Yeah, compatibility mode and the old. Yeah. And I switched that on and everything's working except my thermostat. But And the kids are still spying on your wife, but still, it's fine. Exactly, exactly. So we're talking about smart home technology. Um, and if that company goes out of business, what happens, right? And you've, you've had a story there. I have, yeah. So way back when smart home technology was new, uh, there was a company called Smart iHome. Not yeah. iHome, but Smart iHome. And they figured they added smart because it was you know, smart home stuff. And they had this cube uh, processor. Now, with a lot of the smart home stuff, you have a couple of things that you can do, right? Okay, Google can run it. Uh, you can have uh, Amazon run it. You can have your um, iPhone, the HomeKit stuff, they can run it. But in a lot of cases, if you have a you know a little server or a little router or a little box, that basically gives you a better, more reliable connection, right? It gives you that dedicated connection to that device. It's not worrying about your particular Wi-Fi. And so this thing, uh, this cute little cube, it came with door sensors, came with window sensors, came with an alarm, um, and I had it all set up. This is in my old place. Um, and, you know, unbeknownst to me, I should have checked my RSS feed that morning, as we all do. Okay, just me. No, nope, I do. There, there we go. Um, and so the company did go out of business that morning. And, oh, my God. You know, and I, how much did you spend on all, all this stuff? Well, the, this thing was, it was an all-in-one box. It was 300 bucks. Wasn't, wasn't too bad. But that's 300 bucks. But here's the thing. I didn't get a notification. The yeah. app updated. It bricked the box, and none of the sensors worked. So it was all dead. It was all dead. Forever? Like, Freddie Mercury level, all dead, all dead. Yeah. Completely gone. And so I, I just sort of sat there. And of course, you know, it was fine until the alarm tripped. And then you couldn't turn it <laughs> off. <laughs> and it had a backup battery built in. Yeah. I literally had to take a hammer to this thing because it was sealed. The battery sealed right in there. It was using a torque screw, which I couldn't find my torque screwdriver. Who has a security screwdriver around at a time like that in this economy? John does. <laughs> John so does. so, so I, you have a three hundred dollar brick, brick doorstop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now here's the interesting thing: like the, the alarm no longer worked, but uh, some folks apparently were able to go and flash this and run their own firmware on it, which was a bridge too far for me. Well, and, that, and that's not a uncommon thing. Uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I had a, a smart pet feeder yes for my cat uh, from Petnet, and this was a fairly expensive automated feeder that had an app you would tell it your cat's age and weight and it would recommend even the food that and how much you should give it all this kind of stuff and it was great and you know you set all your schedules up but during the pandemic they basically shut down because their staff couldn't come in they ended up selling their or getting rid of their leased office space 
they turned off their servers and basically like gray i had a paperweight that was supposed to feed my cat which you got so it was dead it was like dead completely dead the company's gone the feeder not the cat correct okay um and yeah completely uh you know sorry we're out of here because there's no one left because we all quit. It, it's weird. So the world of like smart pet feeders, my partner used to have a dog walking business and they would go and feed cats as well. And she said that pet feeders are the number one failure for this type of, like they just, none of them really work that well. Yeah. Uh, so if you've, got a, if you've got a pet feeder out there that really works well, I'd love to hear about it. But so what, yeah, what, what can you do then? You can't do anything. No, well, this whole segment was spawned because there's a company called Insteon, yeah, I think that's how you say it. Uh, they basically just did that disappearing act as well, and, 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 and all their stuff is dead, completely dead. And literally the morning of, they just flipped that switch and stopped paying the bills and Insta lights off. Out. Insta off, exactly. Yeah. So I guess the the moral of the story is go with the bigger brand names like the Amazons and the Googles. Lutron for light switches. Yeah, that's my yeah. That's my so like, do your homework. Find out if these companies have been around for a while, uh, and it can't hurt to go with the big guys. It's it's unfortunate because I think there's some really interesting developments happening in sort of the startup space yeah. with this stuff, but you're also you're rolling the dice. You totally are. Yeah. yeah. And we, we, we all roll the dice with this kind of stuff all the time. Cause we want to try it out and see if it is compelling, but it's, it's a tough call. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Twitter. There's some, something happening there. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Let something. Me, some, let, me, let me check my feed. Something Elon Musky back after this. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. we got Gray with us in the studio today. Time to talk Twitter. It's been all over the news. Uh-huh. Now we're going to talk more about it. <laughs> but there's some interesting, you know, components to this. Uh, it looks like Elon is going to buy it for $44 billion. Pocket change. Yeah. Jack Dorsey, one of the original founders, is is cool with it. Yeah, Jack's not really that cool, though. So. No? No. But he, he's going to make almost a billion dollars off the sale anyways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess I would say that too. Yeah. Even if the devil was buying it. Jack's actually like sweating right now, just in anticipation. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Twitter employees are upset. Yeah. 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 I took a break from Twitter. Did you? From around 2016 to around January 8th, 2020, about 10 o'clock in the morning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you were back. Yes. And yeah. I was back. And, I, and I've, been, I've been loving Twitter ever since. It's been yeah. great. Like it's actually felt like a much healthier place to be. It's still crazy. You know, well, it, it all boils down to who you follow and and how you use the tool. Um, yeah. So there's been a big thing about free speech, right? Yes. The, you know, they banned a bunch of people, including Trump, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, mm-hmm. and a lot of people happy about it. A yep. lot of people upset because they say, you know, you can't close down free speech. Uh, that's, that's the government. Yeah. Right. But private companies can do whatever they want. Now, here's the thing. It's a private company in the hands of a man who famously, you know, when a kid was following his airplane, uh, wanted, wanted it silenced. You know, when people are saying things that hurt his feelings, he wants them silenced. But there's a select few people, I guess, that he's okay with them saying whatever they want. Elon Musk is not a bastion of free speech. More like freeze peach is really his kind of sort of his trademark there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's even clarified his position on this because... He, he claimed the purchase was to uh, help with the free speech movement and all this Elon stuff. Elon Musk, yes. Yeah, but he's really saying, like, within the rule of the law, yes. and if the laws don't cover certain things that are said, then you need to change those laws, not, not, not stifle those voices. Well, and here's the thing. Here in Canada, we have hate speech laws. So whose laws are you going to be obeying, Elon? Are they going to be the laws of the United States? And if so, particular states? 
municipal laws? Which laws do you want to follow? At some point, a company has to take a stand. And a lot of people were hurt by a lot of the things that were said and then acted upon by the people that have now been banned from Twitter. And so looking at this, there's two directions he can take here. He can double down on the free speech thing. But really, one of the more interesting things, I think, is actually taking it in a more distributed Web3 approach, at which point free speech becomes less of an issue because the algorithm is no longer going to be something that's dictated by the central authority. It's going to be something that actually is the interest of the people. And I think one of the things that we saw with these folks who were being banned is they knew how to game that mechanic. They knew how to game that algorithm. Yeah. It's interesting though, because we're already starting to see a lot of people leaving the platform just in anticipation of this sale going through. Because they just feel it's going to they're change. Just, they're not, not happy in, with... And not in their way. Yeah, Not in a good way, yeah. I, I'm taking a wait and see approach. Yeah, Because Elon too. has a tendency to surprise me, right? The Starlink thing in Ukraine, I was like, said it, made good on it. The battery thing in Australia, we're going to bring power to the outback, delivered on it. So I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, you know, you're, you're a bit of a wild card, a bit of a rogue. Yeah. You can kind of see, like, what are you going to do here? Here's the thing. I had no problem walking away from Twitter the first time. And I will have no problem walking away from it again if we start to see the types of things that, again, violence happened because of this platform. Does it amplify yes. it, it hate? Did. Yeah. yeah, it really did. Because like, I felt calmer that certain people were taken off Twitter lately. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, Well, yeah, because you you're not worried about when you wake up what was said overnight on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing as well is they also took a very aggressive stance towards things like botnets. Yeah. You know, we, there were certain very hostile state actors who were employing teams that were actively going out there and creating what's called agitprop, right? Basically trying to get us inflamed and angry at each other because it de- destabilizes us politically. Now, one of those countries it worked. almost has no internet left. Yeah. Bless. And, you know, Here's the thing. If, if we're going to re-enable that, then that platform will become a cesspool again. If they're able to keep that away and perhaps walk the fine line, which I think they've been doing a fine job with, but maybe you don't. But if they can walk that fine line where you know people are no longer being targeted because of their age, race, sexual orientation, we could be okay with Twitter. We're going to have to wait and see, I think. There's a Canadian element to this takeover as well, isn't there? There is. Uh, apparently... RBC and CIBC are helping to finance the $44 billion purchase. Well, and that's interesting though, because yeah, Elon's the figurehead uh, in this case, but who's actually going to be running the show? Is Elon just going to be the dictator at the top or is it actually going to be a, uh, a board of similar minded people or very different minded people that are going to have the benefit of the platform at, you know, whereas in theory, you could see Elon just like, well, I'm, I just bought it to burn it to the ground or burn everything else to the ground. Yeah. I mean, like, and famously, like, he was censured because of things that he did on that platform, not by Twitter themselves, but by the SEC. And now he'll so have... So it wasn't Twitter. No. No. Well, I mean, you know, it's... it's they, that pla- they provide the platform by which he got in trouble, but it's almost like... That's his fault. That's his fault, right? Yeah. You ride a skateboard into traffic. It's not the skateboard manufacturer's problem. I'm worried about like disparaging him on the radio show here. He'll turn off your car. He'll turn off my car. (laughs) My car doesn't work anymore. (laughs) Well, I'm not really sure he knows kind of like who and where Canadians are. He's been to Vancouver for TEDx. He was just here, yeah. 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 But like famously before, I think he was criticizing the fact that we didn't have a democracy because we didn't rise up against the trucker protest immediately. Some of us had jobs and things to go to and things to do. We were actually, we were told that our democracy was failing. I don't know. It looks pretty good to me. We're good to 2025 at least. 
Well, it'll be an interesting few weeks. How long, okay, how long before Trump comes back onto Twitter? He, he has said that, no, he's not. He's going to stick with his truth social, his, awesome. own, his own social platform. But come on, how long, how long do you think, John, before he's back? Even though he says he's not going to. Well, I, I think, like Grace said, it, it's a wait-and-see approach because we're not sure what the new Twitter will be. If it'll be a welcoming environment for Trump or if it's going to stay like it is now, a, a less cesspool-y cesspool. Yeah. Like, in addition to almost calling for, well, for calling for insurrection on Twitter, he almost started in World War III with North Korea. Let's just, let's just say that I hope it's never. Yeah. Um, optimistically, eh, 2049. So, but do you think he'll be unbanned? I don't think so. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a good move. I don't think so. I think you. I think you will. Yeah. I think you'll get unbanned. What about the kid that has the tr- the Twitter account that tracks Elon's jet? He's gone. Oh, he's toast. <laughs> 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 yeah, no Twitter for him. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break, guys. But when we come back, a really interesting topic. We're gonna talk about actors in the digital age and protecting their their intellectual property themselves, whether it's their face, their acting, or voice acting and how AI is making that very difficult. You're listening to Get Connected, back after this. You're back with the program, Mike and John here. We've got Gray in the studio with us today as well. We're gonna talk about AI, artificial intelligence, and actors, and this is becoming a thing now, guys. You've seen some of the deep fakes out there? Oh yeah. I've seen some really good Tom Cruise ones lately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how they do this, but essentially deep fakes are uh, using artificial intelligence and some existing video to make it look like a person is doing and saying things that they never did. Yeah. We started to see a lot of this towards the end of the Obama years. Yeah. And it's just gotten insanely better quality and more realistic and much faster for them to produce now. The Tom Cruise ones I've seen are like amazing. Cause yeah. you know, I was scrolling through YouTube watching some of these and I thought, I didn't think Tom Cruise did that. Well, and, and he doesn't age. That's no. Because he's no. a fake. So the technology's here. That that horse has left the barn. But it just affects everything, not just like the face, but the voice as well. There's a lot of voice actors concerned now yeah. about. As well they should be. Yeah. And so one of the most famous cases of this was actually you know, done on purpose. Um, you remember the voice of the computer in Star Trek The Next Generation? Yes. Yeah, there was, so it was Majel Barrett Roddenberry. That was Gene Roddenberry's wife. Yes. Right, also played Loxana Troy. Yes. And before she passed away, they made a recording <clears throat> of, of her voice and saying a number of different things so they could take all of those sounds and string them together to create any computer voice, like create that voice, but have it say anything that they wanted them to say. Yeah. We've also seen a number of like TV shows and movies where they've had actors who previously passed and they've been able to sort of stitch together things that they've said in order to make it sound good. The, the thing that's making this work as we kind of move forwards and maybe without the actor's um, intent is what we call a, a generative adversarial network, right? This is your deep fake technology. And essentially what it does is almost is able to create a middle ground between a bunch of different pictures, a bunch, bunch of video, a bunch of sounds, and allows you to create things that that person didn't say, that person didn't, didn't do, just by having all of these pieces of data. Um, you know, there was a, did you see the Ryan Reynolds film Red Notice? Yes. 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 So there's, there's, I don't know why that didn't win an Oscar. <laughs> so there, there's, there's a moment in there where, you know, they're, they're going after uh, something and someone's safe and they need to be able to, to deep fake that person's face. And Ryan Reynolds has a very funny line, which we want to repeat, repeat on the radio. But he says, if I have a number of pictures of you, I can do this with your picture. And then proceeds to shoot about 15 to 20 pictures of the rock 
back to back. Yeah. Um, and basically saying, you know, here I'm getting the data for this generative adversarial network. Yeah. And the thing that really kind of is scary is, say, for example, you know, you uh, were on a TV show, uh, like Get Connected, or you're on a radio show, like Get Connected. Uh, samples of your voice and your picture. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. All the data that anyone would need to create digital Mike Agarbo yeah. is all there. Yeah. Um, which is great because as soon as we have he, hologram- he would be he would be better looking than real Mike Agarbo. <laughs> I would make sure of that. As soon as we got hologram home assistance, I'm, I'm pecking you. Yeah. It's, <laughs> hey, Mark, Mike, start the coffee machine for me. I can't. It just my hand keeps going through it. Um, so, what can we do there? Like, if you're an actor, well, and this is sort of one of the interesting things where, like, I hate to say it, but blockchain technology and NFTs may actually be the answer. Um, when a performance is created, you know, you're able to sign something on the blockchain. And so that is something that's authenticated across all of these these networks. Anything that's taken off of that could still produce video and sound. But if it doesn't have that blockchain signature, you know that it's not authentic. It's not legitimate. And so this is one of the ways that using technology like that, we can actually assure that something is real. It's not the only way, but, you know, you see something pop up, you know, animated GIF or whatever else, Without, without that signature that belongs to the actor, it's not actually something that they did. It's interesting because we're also seeing this in the music world too, where they can feed a computer all of Katy Perry's songs. Yeah. And then it'll generate a song that sounds like it could be Katy Perry. Yeah. So, but to Gray's point, it's interesting that say you're a big actor like The Rock or Ryan Reynolds or someone like that, there's a ton of data about you out there because of your body of work. But if you're not a known actor or person uh, doing voice acting, that type of thing, you're going to just take a job and they're going to ask you to to read, you know, 3000 dictionary words. And then that'll feed into a system creating a net new voice that maybe isn't trackable to a blockchain thing because a, you did the, you you did the job for, for next to nothing because you're just starting out and they've processed it in such a way that you couldn't even tell that was my voice or your voice. Yeah. And so this, this brings us to the idea of copyright law in Canada, which, you know, we've seen a number of bills over the last little while that have come this, down this crazy rabbit hole to protect big corporations. Um, but really, it's, it hasn't done a whole lot for authors or artists or auteurs who are creating this yeah. stuff. It's really all about protecting the people at the end of the day who are banking the vast majority of the money, which is a real disappointment. Yeah. If we're looking to have this problem solved from a legal perspective, we need to actually have protections and rights for people who are the ones who are creating the elements yeah. That go that go into that. Well, the thing is like if I'm an actor in a movie, part of my contract should include the digital use of my likeness in any other format. Mm-hmm. So so twenty years after my death, if Warner Bros. decides to make a film uh starring me doing something that I never actually did because I passed long ago. Yeah my family should still have the, the your estate yeah. my estate should still have the rights to that and approve it or you know especially but for, if it, but for how long well i guess the same with like a a book or something yeah, the like, duration of copyright law yeah which yeah. you know unfortunately due to disney and, and yeah. company has been extended and ex- is it 74 years or 95 years now uh, i've lost track it's, it's a, a long lot. time it's yeah. the end of the world yeah. as we know it yeah. yeah basically your grandchildren will still have those protections in place like it's a long time but away. the technology is going to get good enough like you could make a george clooney movie with without george clooney without george clooney if they're doing a sequel to batman and robin i am so not in 
that would be easy. That one <laughs> stick the Batman head on him, and and he's uh, he's good to go. Where's, where's Chris O'Donnell now? No, uh, you know I I read an article about this one uh, voice actor. She had uh, did a contract with a Chinese translation company, re- reading in thousands of lines of I guess English, and did the deal, and was surprised to find out her voice was all over TikTok. Ooh. It was it's the automated voice that reads the captions. Yes. Yeah. Well oh, that's terrible. Yeah. No, like the actual voice is terrible. It, it is terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, no, you might be hearing the replacement voice. Because ah. because th- she won her lawsuit. Oh good. But the, the the thing is that was the case where she was hired to do a specific translation job. Yeah. But it got turned around and used for a different purpose that she didn't approve. Yeah which is why she got ultimately succeeded with her lawsuit. And this is kind of what it comes down to is we're talking about rights and contract law where residuals could be paid. And even if it was only a few cents per use, she would probably have enough money to buy Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to have to take a break. You're tuned in to get connected. When we come back, are you a Star Wars nerd? Well, John has uh, recently purchased a new Star Wars tech item that he won't shut up about. And we'll, uh, we'll tell you all about it. You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Got Gray with us uh, today. John, you are a Star Wars enthusiast. Yeah, that's a, probably a good way to describe yeah. it. So you just got a new hard drive. I did. I needed an, another backup drive. and this A is, portable one. Well, kind of portable. This It's still a physical hard drive. It's not an SSD. Yeah. Um, but I bought it because Seagate, for some reason thought it'd be a good idea to make a Mandalorian branded hard drive. That's the really popular Star Wars TV show on Disney Plus. That's yeah. right. So this is in the in the shape of Beskar ingots, which is sort of the one of the currencies in the Mandalorian. Yes. That's used to make his armor. And this one is really cool. It's only about 20 bucks more than the regular version of the same drive. Yeah. So I got a two terabyte drive. It's about 120 bucks. It even comes with stickers from Star Wars. <laughs> and it has a little LED on the bottom that you can actually program to be any color you want yeah. or a rainbow or animations, that kind of stuff. Uh, and you can sort of set it and forget it for that. Is there a Baby Yoda version? Uh, not that I've seen. No. No. Because I, I would get that. Yeah. Like Rogu? Yeah. He's cuter than I don't. your steel ignit, ing, ingot. Beskar. Beskar. Now, now yeah. you flipped this over earlier, and this actually has Orabesh on the it, back. It does. Guess what it says? I have no idea. Oh my God, you guys are so nerdy. This is the way. This is the way, of course. How do you know? You don't know that. How do you know? <laughs> he speaks Orabesh. He reads Orabesh. It's fine. That's what it probably said that on the now, box. No, above that, we have. That is the talent of. Is it Mythosaur? I forget what it is. Okay, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll take it offline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you give it a thumbs up. Seagate. Two terabyte. Awesome job. More stuff like this. Now I'm thinking back to Get Connected Season 9. You went to the firing range and put some bullets into a hard drive. Yeah. Um, They don't withstand bullets. But that's Beskar. This is Beskar. I don't think it is. (laughs) I think it's plastic... Is it plastic Beskar? I don't know. Uh, Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show, on every Sunday across the country here on the Chorus Radio Network and Saturday nights in Toronto. You can find out more info at our website, getconnectedmedia.com. See you again next time.